Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, Andrew Dewing will talk you through the current market, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice. He will also be interviewing a leader in the world of agriculture and finishing up with Farm Chat, which includes his favourite bit, where he tastes beer for free. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and his market report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Week commencing 6th of May 2019. Slight signs of rain on the horizon as I'm recording this, which is very exciting. We might have a crop to uh, trade next year. So, I'm going to start with wheat. We're going to probably talk about wheat in our little little chat in a little while because it's, there's a few little nuances going on with the old crop wheat market which I think are worthy of a bit of debate and uh, misdirection or wrong ideas or saying out loud what we think and reality is probably a different thing, but hey. Right, so old crop wheat value has fallen and is falling and is going to continue weak in our opinion. We don't want to buy any more May wheat. We're full of it. We've got too much probably that we can move on time, so... I'm afraid uh, May we're out of the market. There's one or two who might pay you for May but won't move it on time. Uh, it's just a slightly less honest way of doing it, but we can't buy any more May wheat. So June, we'd pay 156 X farm, and July, we'd pay 158 X farm. We do not see a dramatic recovery in prices until July, and that may or may not happen. This last week, there's been a number of farmers who've paid for some advice by a French based company called ODA. ODA had told their farmers not to sell any old crop wheat at all because it was going to run out, and they've sent a letter out this week saying, oops, sorry about that, we've taken the money and we've told you wrong, so you better sell some. And so there's been a few extra tonnes appearing on the market, which hasn't helped, and that is a bit of a howler. So lesson, lesson number one, don't ask a Frenchman to talk about the UK fee wheat market. New crop is also kind of struggling, it's 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 not at its low it's a 139x for november movement i would say it's with a bit of rain on the horizon you might get a few people selling it but underlyingly there's a very big concern about the lack of rain we've had and i don't see many farmers taking a selling decision just yet and also there's there's some trouble brewing we've been talking about this for a few weeks in the states their corn crop the wet weather well a forecast for the next week is also very wet and i think that's going to start impacting the uh, the, the us which in in turn will in, impact every other market as we've previously discussed so current value november 139x and delivered to store for harvest about 137, something like that. Feed barley, dead on its feet. X farm, old crop, June, 126 ish. If you've got any left, ditch it, as I've said previously, and you know, I'm going to rub it in. I've been right on that one. Harvest, 120 delivered store still. The actual market is getting closer and closer to our guest value, so I, I think that one's beginning to get a bit of an issue. 120 for feed barley historically is a good price. Let's not forget that if you need to move it harvest time. All seed rape, not going to run on about that either. 307x, old crop, ditch it, get it done. We're running out of time and harvest still round about the £300 mark. Well publicised issues with the crop. Don't see new crop dropping particularly. I don't see any point in, in messing around much longer with, with old crop. I don't see what you're going to gain from it. So that's it for the market report in terms of prices this week. News, 
We have our seed meeting date fixed for the 24th of May at the Anglia Farmers Office, or AF Office, because I'm old-fashioned apparently, according to John Duffy. So it'll be a morning start, a nine o'clock start, and we will have Peter Riley, and it's the opportunity to get an independent, a genuine independent view of seed varieties. So put that in your diary and let us know if you are coming. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Crush Foods produces a unique range of single-variety, cold-pressed rapeseed oils. All their seed is grown here in Norfolk. They only press a single variety for its taste, and they believe that this is what gives the oil the light, nutty flavour people like. Available in local shops across Norfolk, Suffolk and beyond. Visit crush-foods.com for more information. And now it's time for our feature. Today we are talking about cash settlements, and this is the second part in our education series. So cash settlements, we've talked about them on our podcast in the past many times, and it's time you learnt about them. This will also cover defaults, because in effect, cash settlements and defaults are the same thing. It's just the difference is you get to choose the timing. So let's deal with the ugly one first. Default. It's a very emotive word if you've ever been defaulted for your grain. The meaning in the context of grain sales is usually, and this applies to cash settlements as well, when you have a contract, you have a specific tonnage, a price, a quality, and a delivery point or period in which it's moving. This applies to any contract that you do. If you end up in a default, you are unable to meet the specifications of your contract at time of delivery more often than not. With the cash settlement, you have a contract with all of those points in them, and you are able to agree a fair price for them, and then fix a price that gives you an possibly an advantage later. We'll come on to the the lovely bits of cash settlement first, but let's get into the real nitty-gritty of defaults. Normally, a default occurs when there's a bad harvest. You know, if it's raining or if there's been a drought, the malting barley or the milling wheat that you've sold forward is either getting ruined by the weather or has not yielded or is really thin and, and is not up to spec. And invariably, it isn't just you that uh, the weather is treating badly. Everybody else around you is getting the same treatment. So consequently, the price of that particular product, a quality product, has probably gone up by quite a lot of money. So if you've had a lack of yield and you've got a lack of quality and you've got a sale price that was agreed pre-harvest, the price has probably gone a lot higher than what you sold it for. So not only are you sad because you've effectively sold something at lower than the market value, you're also sad because you've got less tonnage of it and the quality of what you've got is probably feed as opposed to the premium as well. So you are being hit on every single front. The buyer is going to need the grain to supply a sale at a relative value because he will also be in default if he does not supply. So the default or that the, the replacement value of that grain has to be met by you who's made the commitment. The default price is the price of the grain bought to replace the committed tonnage. The difference in price between the market when you sold it and the market today. Before we compare default to cash settle, let's get over the bitterness that defaults bring. The farmer has sold some grain forward at a price that looks good to him when he sows the seed. Now, why would he do that? Well, normally, he would look at the cost of production and his normal average yield and say, if I achieve 
X price, I will have broken even. So if a contract is available where X is achieved and there's more money on top of it, he's got a profit. And there is a justifiable reason to get out of bed every day. So you can budget, you can say to your bank manager, look, I'm making a profit. This is how I normally yield. This is what I normally produce. I'm going to produce a profit for 40% of my tonnage. Isn't that lovely? Forward prices are normally at a premium to cover the risk of a failed harvest for the consumer. So in other words, he's using his risk management tools to cover himself. He is paying a premium. A premium has been paid to the farmer. Quite often that gets forgotten in the rush when it gets nasty at harvest time. But it's true. When a difficult harvest arrives, prices are higher than the contract and the value of the crop is lower for yield or specification. The farmer suffers disappointment on all fronts and gets an invoice for default from those horrible thieving merchants. Let's all forget the premium that was agreed in the first place. Okay, and if harvest is perfect, the buyer has paid too much. Let's forget that too, shall we? Let's turn this into a happy story. Enough of that stuff. Imagine you listen to all of our autumn, and and this is just a story, by the way. Imagine you listen to all of our autumn and winter podcasts and took the advice to sell 2019 crop. Prices are over £20 better than current values or somewhere higher than where we are now. Suddenly, weather forecasts look like there will be damage to crop potential. And you think, I emphasise the word you, think prices are about to go up again. You can agree to buy back your sale fixing a profit on that tonnage. Later, when the market seems right to sell your crop again, you've still got that crop to trade, the fixed profit is added. In other words, the money you've made out of your original deal is sitting there waiting for you to do sell my wheat again. You add that earlier profit to it. So easy. Or is it? Well, that's the happy part of the story. Let's, let's take it a little bit into the complexities now. It is, in reality, a simple process. Just the same as a default, you have a contracted tonnage, price, movement month, collection, stroke delivery point, and product specification. It's all on a purchase contract from your buyer. If you can agree a fair value with your buyer to settle the contract, cash settle the contract, in other words, sell the same tonnage, spec, time, etc., etc., There is a simple difference in price that has appeared between your original sale and today. Exactly the same as a default. It is the difference in value, but it doesn't have to be working against you. So if it's that simple, why doesn't everybody do it? Now, I've really debated in my head about how to go about this. I could spend spend the next 10 minutes like trashing the opposition and, I don't know, coming up with all sorts of things that I find funny. The reality is it is a very simple process. The problem for the grain trade in places is there is a bit of slippage between the person doing a deal on your farm and the trader who can perhaps sign off the futures hedge that you've got against it, or a trader that's got the authority to do the, the, the messing around with, or the administration of trading out of contracts. If you have a rep or an agent who reports to a sales manager or reports to a local manager who then reports to a key trader who then reports to a futures trader, it can mean somewhere way up that tree, that guy's trading, I don't know, 3 million tonnes every year. And your 1,000 tons, however big that is in your county, it isn't actually the most important thing in the big trader's mind. He's got lots of other things he's trying to achieve. So there's a little element of, yes, we'd love to care for you, but I can't do it today, darling. So there's a, there's a size issue. Small but very determined is always obviously the best way to go. So 
if you can get a system in place or you get to like the idea that, in fact, I recognise prices go up and down sometimes in the marketplace, and sometimes it's very obviously going to go up in, in price, then you can trade around your position. And I, I believe this is the way we're going to go with trading grain in the future. As farmers, there are less of you and there are bigger units or people become more technical in the way they trade. So, so I'll, I'll I'll give you the best example of of, of that, which was probably last year's harvest. Um, that, that perhaps come from the farming side or an agent. It's more often than not he's not able to manage the process, and therefore, however nice he is, the trader is not always free. And an easier life for both is join our pool. Bluntly, it's too much hassle. However, if the demand gets great enough from farm, they will have to address the issue and come up with a product that satisfies you. Historically. Another reason for, for a barrier to this happening is, is, is something that's not been done. So there's lack of experience and, you know, so granddad didn't do it, dad didn't do it, why the hell am I doing this? Uh, the fear of doing different to what we've always done is is actually a barrier and, and you, you guys have got to overcome that uh, in your trading. And I appreciate most of you have, but I'm, I'm saying that because it's, it maybe just helps someone uh, to, to, to be a bit braver. Three, it does mean more work for the buyer. It is administration and it is a pain. And four, one of the biggest problems the, the trade won't do this is because farmers suffer from convenient memory loss. If it goes wrong, sometimes you think it's going to go up and I'll, you buy your stuff back in again. And the market, in fact, goes the exact opposite direction and you end up getting a lower price than you originally sold for. You get the market wrong. At those points, if the farmer decides to have amnesia and pretend that he didn't know what he was doing... It doesn't half make merchants say, I ain't ever going to do that again with any farmers because, you know, it, we all have to be grown up. We make decisions. If we get it right, we love it. If we get it wrong, don't pass the buck. So we're over the barriers. And I don't think I've been rude yet, but uh, you probably disagree. So let's go to that example uh, last year. The best example was last year. Forward contracts a couple of years previous to last year were £140 a tonne and the year before that was £130 a tonne for feed wheat. So making a sale at 140 gave a guaranteed profit. It was a good price, everyone was happy with that. What happened, um, and it went all the way through the autumn of 17 and coming into the new year, it was down there quite happily at a low price. Last year we had that heat wave and that drought. And when it got to April, May, it became obvious when Carol Kirkwood was on famously and, and giving us 30 degrees every day, the price was going to go up. And so we had a number of farmers who'd sold grain at 140. And when the market was, was, was above that, it was 146 or 150 pounds a tonne, they fixed their, they said, right, I want to cash settle. This, this harvest is going to have a problem. We're going to have less grain. I'm not comfy with the sales I've got. So instead of like sitting on the farm and sulking, they decided to say, right, I'm going to do something about this. It's obviously going up and I can make more money from it. So uh, an example, they sold it for 140 for November movement. They cash settled it in the May, which is seven or eight months after when they'd made the original first deal of the year, at 146 for November. So in other words, they'd lost £6 a tonne. So at that moment in time, they've lost, you know, good heavens, I've done it wrong. But they're £6 a tonne worse off on, say, 200 tonnes. £1,200, you've blown away by being an idiot. But what they did was they got the market right. The market went up, as we all know. And let's just say they sold it for 160x for November. It went up £20 a tonne and they thought, great, I'll have some of that. What happened was they said, right, I'd like to resell my grain at 160 So they fixed a the price. 
that 160 had to have £6 loss taken off it, which is the difference between the original sale price, 140 and buying it back at 146 but they ended up with £154 a tonne, which is a £14 increase over the original sale. That is the best example of, an, of a cash settlement working in your favour. And it's, it's important that it shows that, in fact, the original part of the cash settlement actually tied you into a loss. The farmers overcame that mental blockage of having lost money on something because they could see the gain, they were going to make a greater gain by selling it at a higher price later, you're effectively ratcheting up your price, gaining a benefit from a drought that was occurring in front of your eyes. The objective has to be for farmers to understand what this is, how it works, and use it when the market conditions look likely to improve. And sometimes it is obvious. Merchants or buyers will have to provide the service if it becomes a deciding factor in who farmers sell to. Do not allow your buyer to dumb you down. Just say, no, no, other people do this. I, I want to do this. This is important. I will say what we do as a business. We try to be transparent and we're trying to educate and we've, we've had a few observational knocks about what we do, but largely this is met well by our colleagues and by, by farmers as well and consumers. Our example of cash settlement is probably a bit tighter than, than most in the sense that we are, I'm told, overly generous with it. But we're a small enough business to be bespoke enough to kind of work on the margins we're talking about here. So if I, I'll give you an example of what we do as a business uh, and give some of my secrets away at the same time. We will cash settle any contract at £1 less than our buying price. So the profit or loss is added, stroke subtracted from the subsequent purchase that replaces the original deal. In other words, you sell me some grain, you then buy it back from me, the same stuff, same quantity, etc. And when you sell it again, and this is important, you will sell that, that relevant tonnage to me later. That's part of the deal. We won't do it unless you sell the grain to us in the end. Once you've done the original deal, we do a cash settlement, but we end up purchasing the final product. That's fair because of the work we've done on it. In other words, if we cash settle with you, we buy the equivalent tonnage when you come back to the market. When we buy grain from you, more often than not, we sell something of equivalent tonnage to that purchase to hedge or balance our book. This costs us time in administration and brokerage. Nobody else does cash settlements at such low cost. We have a set structure that state our values. For example, feed wheat, X Farm, Norfolk, November is futures price minus seven. Now things may change on that in the future, but that is where it's at. Cash settlement, therefore, is futures minus six. That is as transparent as you're ever going to get. All of you now are chomping at the bit thinking about cash settlements. We have a, a grain market that's crept up three or four pounds from its low right now as i record this on the 29th of april um, the ingredients are there for a dramatic price hike if the u.s weather continues very wet which is the forecast funds are holding a record short position on new crop chicago corn futures if they panic we will see at least 10 pound added to our values so maybe this is the moment however a record south american crop and excellent reports from russia black sea predicting a very big crop could take them that the market lower. Norfolk got very little rain. We have a problem. The market has no emotion. The people who trade it do. At this moment, the overriding direction is down. 
But selling from farmers ceased. And if I had to predict a, a movement direction, it would be up. Because I think the US corn acreage thing is, the, is under threat. I think there is an issue there that will give us a bit of a rally. That is in the lap of the weather god. So I could be wrong. You've got to make your own mind up. And then when you've made your mind up, if you're certain, knock on the door and say, I would like to reduce the amount of sales I've got because I think there's a rally coming in this market and I think I can make some extra money from this season's crop. Now, I hope most of you have grasped the dynamics of what we're talking about and most of you have understood that it doesn't have to be a complicated process. If you understand exactly your objectives, you're going to have to find out what your merchant, if it isn't us, heaven forbid, is prepared to cash settle for. Understand the value of your product and then see how much they're taking from you in terms of of, of trading value. And then if you're happy and you can see a benefit to your bottom line as a trader and a grown-up, then go for it. Keep an eye on the market and when you feel it's peaking, then go and sell it again. So education number two, cash settlements... Get out there and do it, boys. Thank you for listening. And now it's time for Farm Chat. Okay, today I've got Ben with me, and Ben is in charge of telling us what the beer is. Morning. We're going to be trying a beer called Toast, and it's brewed with bread. Uh, And this is bread that's actually waste bread from bakeries. Mm. So here we go. Sound effect department, very good. (laughs) We'll use that one again. There's a bit on the side of the bottle that says it is um, crafted from fresh surplus bread, malted grain, and only the finest hops, obviously, always the finest hops, golden with a smooth finish, suitable for vegans. Okay, well, I like that. I how how is any beer not suitable for vegans? Just some matter of interest. I'm not sure. So Animals run you, over in the field. Why would you put suitable for vegans on beer? Yeah. What about the aphids? No. Um, no, I like that. That's a very nice beer. Not too sweet. Interesting, using waste bread. Yeah, refreshing. Good beer. Yeah. Taste the finest hops, can't you? And the bread. With a sip. That's a sure sign. Another sip. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Let's go drinking. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Right, Ben, what do you want to talk about today? You're in charge. Okay, well, I think there's been a few interesting developments on the world agricultural market today. The rise of swine fever in China, I think, is starting to make more mainstream headlines. Without a doubt. I mean, this is an interesting one because it's been going on for the past six months, really. But really, it's in the last month that we've seen it hit the big... It is epidemic proportions. I mean, the the rumour is they've now slaughtered more pigs than are in the whole of Europe. There is a very harrowing video of live pigs being pushed into a hole and soil pushed on top of them because they couldn't afford to kill them, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It's not particularly good Chinese care, is it, that one? No, not not great. I mean, the the big story is everyone keeps saying, oh, well, this will reduce soya bean demand and uh, corn demand. But at the end of the day, the pork needs to come from somewhere. So anyway, I think that's one to watch. Well, you did say let's buy lean pork futures this morning, even though it's gone up 30% in about four weeks or something. But I can't justify that as a Norfolk grain trader, really, can I? <laughs> no, pork bellies, trading places. Yeah. We've all seen the film. <laughs> Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I've got no legs! <laughs> 
So swine fever, I mean... The- yeah, no laughing matter, very serious. But, you know, it, interesting how the state have kind of kept a lid on that story, but now I think it's just such a massive thing, it's just coming out. So. Yeah, and it's had an impact on European pork prices. In the butcher's yeah. chops, your pork prices have gone up. There'll be less ribs, pork chops on your barbecue this summer. I think so, and I think prices will keep going up, so one to watch. Replacement would be chicken? I'm talking about the barbecue here. <laughs> chicken, beef, anything, Andrew, really. Anything. But anyway, and then the other story which kind of ties into this is this phenomenal opening day for this company called Beyond Meat in the States. Come on, talk me through that. Okay, so these are guys that set up in California, as they do, Silicon Valley, and they've developed a meat substitute from fava beans, soy and pea protein. Shares were trading yesterday at $25. They closed at $65. So that is um, 163% up on the day. Blimey. Famous shareholders, Bill Gates, Leonardo DiCaprio. So, I mean, this is a company that's going to make waves. Did you did you buy some shares? No, no I didn't. I thought you'd, I you'd have mentioned yourself amongst <laughs> yeah. with those other two. <laughs> the other fascinating thing is that Tyson Foods, who's the US's biggest meat processor, owns 6% of this company. So I think there's there's something there. Hmm. That's that. I mean, this is this is the very hot topic, is it not? Along with green issues, yeah. yeah, without a doubt. How does cereal producers in East Anglia gain or benefit or do something strategic that relates to that? Good question. It is a good question. I mean, it'll come down to how the imports work. You know, Beyond Meat are now looking to supply supermarkets in the UK. So, what's the, what's the thing that puts the what, what are they using as their base product again? Well, pea protein. So peas. Yeah, yellow peas, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, there is a company in Norfolk that's specialising in sort of yellow pea protein, Novo Farina, who mm-hmm. we, we know. Yeah, no, we met them, didn't we? Yeah, that's that actually, okay, there's an angle there possibly. What else? Yeah. Uh, fava beans, which will never work in the... What are they? Is that farta? <laughs> bean. Farta beans. No, come on. <laughs> and soya, soya protein. Yeah, if only soy would work in the UK. Mind you, there's a yeah. big abundance of that around the world at the moment anyway, isn't there? There is. Well, if they can produce a meat substitute that is as accepted by the masses, it's, it's, it's a bit more thinking, I guess, going on. But I'll tell you what we should do in the summer. We should get a little barbecue going on the next podcast, get Webby over <laughs> and give him two burgers and not tell him which one's which. Yeah, but you know, you, you know that everyone's going to be able to tell the difference between a meat burger and it. Apparently, it. apparently you cannot, Andrew. It's almost impossible to tell the difference when it's cooked and eaten. Who wrote that? Some sort of no, no, no. BBC website. <laughs> okay, well that's totally unbiased. Then there's no problem. <laughs> anyway, so that they were the main things I thought were, were worth bringing to everyone's attention. Yeah, well, I, I think that's uh, okay. We'll be watching that one. In in the, it wouldn't it be nice if it was a UK company? We'd all be proud and have half a chance after Brexit. Maybe. Let's. I, I said earlier on in the in the market report, I'd, I'd talk a little bit about the old crop wheat scenario. Talking about old crop wheat, I've now got a, a wheat futures lorry leaving the site here at Alsham. You might be here in the background. Another one bites the dust. Wheat futures is li- has left all of our stores pretty well, which is makes you think, oh, there isn't much stock left. But the reality is, the, the futures market, everyone was watching it, thinking, oh, someone's in trouble with a short position. And there was a moment earlier this week when there was a large amount of tonnage offered on the futures. And if someone was in trouble and couldn't tender, that was the moment they would have bought those in. And yeah. they didn't, did they? 
No, the market was uh, was incredibly stagnant. And yes, we all thought the pressure would be on the short and then the market very, very quickly collapsed. Didn't yeah, it? and I think that is the death nail. I, I, I Now, that and the ODA announcement to, oops, got it wrong, you better sell what you got. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know you winced there saying I shouldn't say people's company names, but there's, there's such a howler. They charge money for an opinion which was wrong. That's, I, I can't see them digging themselves out of that one. It'd be interesting to know if any large trading companies are using ODA, but anyway... Uh, <laughs> we have speculated on that anyway the, but the the for, for us that moment clearly says that there isn't going to be a an artificial rally based on a future short it's not going to happen therefore we think old crop wheat's had it and it is still a 16 pound premium to new crop yeah and, it, and also i think the pressure could roll on into june as well so yeah i think may is overdone june is going to have the residue of May that isn't going to be moved. July, there might be two minutes of excitement about the 10th, and then there'll be French imports. So with that really happy, miserable end to the trading season for feed wheat, have a very lovely rain-filled week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewinggrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio.